0: welcome back to the brothers book club podcast we are back here today with another book review episode we're here in our penguin little black classics collection that is a collection of 80 pieces of world literature and we have set out from the beginning to review and recommend all of them or to recommend avoiding them joining me today is podcast co-host amanda hey amanda hello Welcome back. Thank you. Excited. Are you excited for tonight's review?
1: I'm always excited to talk about literature, regardless of how I feel about it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think I'm in broad agreement on that. We did a book club recently to this recording, anyway, it was recent to when we're recording this, on Octavia's Brood. And that was really fun to talk about, even if I didn't love it. This one today, we'll see. We are here with Sappho, or is it Sappho? Sa or Sa? I
1: I pronounce it as Sappho, but let me...
0: Sappho it is. That makes sense. S-A-P-P-H-O. Uh, she was an ancient Greek poet living and writing between, what, 6 and 500 B.C., something like that. Yeah. And what Penguin has assembled here for the Little Black Classics is a set of poems, but they're mostly poem fragments. Unfortunately, most of her writing is not has not been recovered and does not exist. We only know about her secondhand and through these fragments, so they have collected those fragments into a collection called Come Close. That is the name of the set here by... Sappho, and we'll be reviewing and potentially recommending this poetry to you, the listener, today. Before we jump into the technical parts of the review, we'll begin with some basic kind of elementary questions we like to open with. And uh, I'll start off with who. Who was this person? Not much is known about Sappho. We know she was from a wealthy family from, is it Lesbos or Lebo? I think it's That's Lesbos. Like a French Lesbo. I was going to say, that's like a French twang I put on. It's like a French pronunciation. I don't know why she was ancient Greek, so I don't think that that little twist would have existed. Um, You have written down from the Wikipedia research department that she was exiled to Sicily around 600 BCE and probably wrote after that. I remember glancing at the Wikipedia page. It sounds like she was kind of a musician, too. A lot of her poems... Where lyrical poetry, she played a lyre and kind of played music and would sing and it seemed pretty famous for doing so. She was considered one of the nine or ten great muses of ancient Greece. And so people knew, basically, she was well-known back then. And again, a lot of her work has not survived, but she was probably performing a lot of it in person. You Mm -hmm. know, this wasn't a time when widely, no printing press, so no widely available publications of anything, and certainly no Spotify. So she was probably just known (laughs) through reputation playing music, probably for elites. It sounds like it's a pretty safe assumption her family was wealthy. Yeah, Yeah. And so... Yeah, that she basically went around and became a famous musician. Kind of like, you know, the first folk singer. So way to go, Sappho. Uh, what do we have here, Amanda, and why should we read it?
1: So uh, this is a collection of some of her lyrical poetry. We were talking about, like, in, in your particular collection, in the Little Black Classics, I guess it's mostly her fragment poetry, because I think they've yeah. only, yeah. like, found a few pieces of her full-on poetry. Um Right, but uh, the reason for I suppose reading her poetry is that she um, was so prolific during her time. They uh, Wikipedia was saying that she wrote like ten thousand lines of poetry, or possibly more. Um, she was really well mm-hmm. known at the time, and her uh, she influenced actually uh, writers during that time, and also con- uh, current writers even. Um, as we will i guess find out when we talk about the what literary device we're going to be teaching today uh, <laughs> yeah she
0: inspired a she sort of so the why of this i also asked the wrong i posed the wrong why question that's my bad not why should we read this it's why would penguin make us like why is this noteworthy <laughs> why was this included and yeah she essentially has an entire type of poetry writing named after her a type of verse Poetry, mm-hmm. at, well, po- poetry is verse, but named after her, Sapphic, and we'll get into that in the literary corner. So, yes, it's considered, it's highly esteemed and highly respected. Really odd, considering most of it's incomplete. I don't, <laughs> I'm not really sure. There yeah. are nine other muses. I don't know what what happened to them, or if many of their things were taken down or survived through history. So, I don't, I don't know. That's it's a blank spot. I, I'll admit. That when I read on the Wikipedia that she was one of this this group that was like oh, they were all lauded, I was wondering if there was some kind of like nonfiction, pretty readable nonfiction that is like the history of those women. I'd that would be I'd be curious to read that. I'd never I'd never even heard of this concept before. So
1: yeah, it was it was strange to me too that she holds so much interest. I guess with academics, but I think that part of that is because she was a female. you know a female lyricist at the time when it was mostly male lyricists right right and also like people have interpreted her work to be um homosexual so i think that also holds Mm -hmm. some interest because a lot of the readings are like that which is where we get the term um lesbian and
0: yeah the the, yeah yeah. the etymology of lesbian comes from that island that she is from which i had i did not know that at all yeah, I didn't either. So, history so, of that was, words. How fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah, so uh, yeah, historically she holds up as uh, quite important, but I let's get into the one sentence simile reviews then, because this will begin to untangle why I perhaps did not react <laughs> as strongly as history would hope I would, or would hope that I would have. Yeah, I thought reading this was kind of like in a spy movie when somebody is given kind of a decoder or decryptor, and it's can you picture like a sheet of paper with holes in it and you hold that sheet of paper up to a text and you know, it'll highlight the words you should help you decode the message. Can you picture what I'm talking about? It's as if you have like a stencil kind of thing. I don't think that, I don't know if this was ever a real thing or if this is just a Hollywood spy trope, but reading this felt like that where, but you don't have the book. That's the crucial thing. I guess I should say it's like, I have the decoder in my hand but i don't have the th- the large page to apply it to mm-hmm. so i'm just kind of left randomly putting it up to different things to be like does that make a thing does that make a clue does that make a sentence it just felt like i had it felt like somebody presented me with something that should be this t- amazing tool and then i was just Steph's, like left staring at it thinking i don't think i know how to apply this tool or i don't i don't think i have <laughs> the right I don't think I have the right background to hold this up and decode the message. So it kind of was in that sort of frustrating group for for me. How about for you?
1: That makes sense. uh, Especially since we were talking about this before, but you actually just have the fragments in in the collection, but I I actually chose specifically when I was reading through um, the collections that I saw online, I chose... the the ones that are actually complete. (laughs) So I would imagine Mm -hmm, that if you just read the fragment ones, it would be like reading ad-libs, but like nobody has filled them in and you're not quite sure which word is necessary to fill in.
0: (laughs) Yeah, most of these poems are literally Mad Libs style. They just cut off or they begin randomly. Yeah, yeah. How about for you? What was reading it for you like? Uh,
1: So for me, I had a slightly different experience just because I was able to read the full poems a couple of her full poems but I said reading this is like putting into words that one scene in the movie Pride and Prejudice like the good version not the Kira Knightley one uh, between Mr. Darcy and Elizabeth Bennett where there's that they're gazing at each other this is the Colin Firth and Jennifer L version I don't know if you've seen it but um
0: no I saw the Kira Knightley one in high school <laughs> that was, for, for AP Lit
1: oh terrible was the it was one.
0: because our teacher had us do a critique yeah she hated it and we had to <laughs> We watched it in that through that lens. Actually,
1: <laughs> makes sense. Um, but the the quite a production
0: though. It, really impressive costume work, huh?
1: Yeah, like I mean, everything except for the acting was great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I honestly don't remember enough to say. Her whole thing with it was that it made it too romantic. It wasn't satirical enough for her. Right. That was the big. That was, we were critiquing it for like tone and yeah. So anyway, I don't. Yeah. And character uh, and messaging. was completely
1: wrong. Anyway. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> but the uh, Colin Firth and Jennifer L one, there's this one scene where they're like, where Mr. Darcy's looking at Elizabeth and you can just feel how much he loves her, but he's like trying to hold back because she had already rebuffed him and everything like that. So this, the poetry that I read um, in this collection reminded me, it made me think of that like intense longing. That's not like, creepy and overbearing, but just like really sweet and uh, innocent in its like purity of love.
0: Oh, wow. Well, why don't you make your connection then, too? Because I think that's a much um, more coherent uh, response than I had. I think my my response to this is quite disjointed. Oh. It'd be just because I don't know. I, di- I didn't feel that the, the collection had any cohesion to it. it. They tried to theme some sections and sort of labeled them, mm-hmm. but within those, uh, hopefully my quotes will illuminate this, I just felt like it was really spotty. So, we jump into your connection, then. What is the 2020 connection you have with this text?
1: Um, it is just love, and it's different types of love. Um, so, there's the romantic yeah. love, obviously, um, like with Mr. Darcy and Miss Bennett, Bennett, but um also, there is familial love, where she writes a poem about her brothers and and how she's so happy that they're coming home from a war, right? So there's family love, there's romantic love, and there's also self-love and self-appreciation. And um, I think that the poems are all, and there's also love for nature and love for just life in general. So that's that's kind I, of the yeah. lens I read it through.
0: Yeah, and mine isn't so different. My connection was to aging and changing. Mm -hmm. I think there are times when she feels like she's been moved on from in this collection, and that kind of ties into some of the love. She also worries that people have moved on from her at some point. There is a poem in here to maybe a lover of hers, and she just says, like, I can't keep up with this anymore, just move on, or, you know, just go on, go find a younger bed, or I forgot how the translation went. Something like that. Mm -hmm. So I think, and there's also notions here of just kind of becoming a person who changes or you're watching things change around you and you're not keeping up with them and so i thought that those somewhat timeless human experiences and themes showed up pretty well here but again i think the quotes will soon show i found a lot of it kind of random maybe not so coherent but i think those two ideas or that one kind of theme comes through for me too i don't know if you noticed that either
1: yeah yeah for sure i did
0: I certainly didn't get the the Wikipedia bit about her being this important writer in the history of like lesbian fiction or lesbian poetry. That did not come through super strongly. That would be one where I think I would need I'm going to need to tag in like the academics to clarify that for me. I didn't I don't know if I noticed it super strongly, but um this is kind of an ongoing thing. I feel like we've read other authors where that was a bit lost on me. So it could just be my own like heteronormative man stuff going on (laughs) that I'm just not there's some kind of aspect that I'm not reading well enough but anyway I didn't I wouldn't say that I took that away from these in general but I suppose the quotes might get into it Um, why don't I start us off with quotes I've put the burden on you so far yeah I'm going to begin with one on my page 28. All these poems, by the way, listeners, are untitled, and they're really kind of ungrouped, too, so I don't. there's nothing to say about the title here. This one is grouped into the... Let me look it up quickly, because they're categorized in here. This one is in the um, Her Girls and Family category, so this one could maybe could be a love poem. Mm-hmm. Anyway, on 28 it reads, As you are dear to me, go claim a younger bed as you're due. I can't stand being the old one any longer living with you. It's a translation with a little goofy rhyme that I don't, I don't love those kind of simple rhymes usually. Mm-hmm. and it's it's so brief, that's it. That's the everything on that entire page is what I just read. And a lot of the poems have that level of engagement. They read like, I mean, they read like fragments. They read like a journal entry that was cut off and you just, it, you know, it burned down in a house fire, but you found the crumpled like 30 pages in the back or something like that, you know, and the rest of it's charred. And it just sort of, it has this jumpy quality when you're kind of just moving between these parts that don't cohere and they can even just be snippets of something. Mm-hmm. So I'm left with for with a poem like that thinking, this conveyed an idea. Like I, w- you know, it made me feel something. I don't think I was invested enough to feel much though. And I think we're getting to the point in the collection where I'm entitled to some comparisons perhaps. Right. This is the length of basically one of the haiku, and I had a much stronger emotional reaction to reading some of the haiku. And I suppose it just has to do with intent and and fragmentary nature of this. I think when you're writing a haiku, you know the limitations and you adhere. Right. This just might be part of something else that... She might have been singing a song and playing the lyre, and like all of that is lost. Mm-hmm. So what I'm left with instead is just this okay, not really that evocative quote in, like, short poem. So, I thought that one kind of illustrated the, I don't know, the general depth, I, I guess I could say.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a, a great point, is that we, even if it doesn't say necessarily that it is a fragment, these, specifically these shorter pieces, especially compared to, like, her longer full poems, right? You're just like, is this just a fragment? Is this the complete thought? Like, what else? what else is she trying to say here? It's it's why I actually I tried reading some of the fragment fragmentary pieces and I just could not do it because I kept wanting to put my own words in it and I'm like, that's not why yeah. we read the poem. It's it's not meant to be that I insert my own blank yeah. here. Yeah. Right. It's that is
0: yeah. That that is inherently an academic pursuit. I think just straight up by definition. Yeah. If you're saying as a reader enjoyer of reading, like here, your reading task is to piece together this history thing. That's just not a reading task at that point. Like we're that's a, we're doing a different type of thing, right? At least that's a, where my feelings would land on it. Yeah. Any quotes sure. you want to begin with?
1: Um. Yeah. I will start with. I don't know if this is a poem that you saw, but um, it says. I'll just read the whole poem because it was like pretty short. But it is a complete poem. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, so I said, as the stars surrounding the lovely moon will hide away the splendor of their appearance when in all her fullness, she shines the brightest over the whole earth. So that's the end of the poem. Uh, what it pretty much is just saying, Hey, the stars don't outshine the sun or the, the, the moon rather in the moon just mm-hmm. washes um washes over the earth with how bright she is. So yeah, I really liked it because it was simple it was a complete thought and I thought that it was a very sweet thought and it could be that she's actually, you know, like praising the moon and like how beautiful the moon is. But also we know that, um, the moon is, uh, related to femininity, to, um, women in general. So it could be like a Mm -hmm. little side thing to, um, a particular lover of hers, perhaps if we wanted to read into, um, her sexuality. Yeah. Um, but I, what I really liked about it was that I thought it was a really great image. Um, and in her complete poems that I pulled from her imagery, I think she's really good at creating an image that's very clear and uh, beautifully done and not something that has to be like necessarily dragged out. Sometimes, you know, you get to describing something and it turns into like a, a Dickens novel or something where it's like 20 pages of about a blade of grass. But... Um, it's short, it's to the point, it's uh, a great image, and also it's pretty, you know, you can read into it as you want. So, that's what I liked, is that, is her imagery, actually, in the full poems that I read.
0: To be fair, have you ever really stared at a blade of grass, Amanda, and (laughs) really gone in? (laughs) Have you ever given yourself the good requisite five to seven hour window to really look at it? I mean, (laughs)
1: after reading Steinbeck, I I would be, I guess, tempted.
0: (laughs) We covered Emerson. um, No, no, I'm thinking of Whitman. We covered Whitman on the pod. That was back when Ryan was the the regular co-host. And so, but he and I did cover and we both gave it three full recommendations. We both said, yes, go read, go read him right now so i think that would hold up Mm. but anyway yeah no i agree the imagery yeah i think this tested me in that i imagery in the service of nothing can only go so far to me right again without it i think haiku this is where the structural part of my reading brain kicks in because when i know going into it structurally that a haiku was designed written (sighs) it, it, it adheres to a form so tightly I can set that expectation and open my mind up to that and, like, let my mind be ready. These are so formless. I don't... It kind of blew my mind to learn that her style had some broad-reaching literary implications because I have no, these I came away from these feeling no cohesion in style. Like, some of them are two lines, and again, this could just be because they pulled the fragments, but some are, like, half a page. Some are random, a random two split lines. Some are in full stanzas. Like, it, there's no... I, don't, I didn't know what to expect, so at any rate, yeah, that's interesting. I, my next quote that I'll give has some imagery in it, but this one speaks to kind of the, what I felt was kind of a factual tone or nature to some of these poems. This is about the goddess Artemis, and on page 42 it reads, Once as a two, two a maiden was plucking a blossom. Artemis made the pledge no god can break. Upon my head and all that I hold dear, I shall remain a maid, a mountaineer, hunting on summits. Grant this for my sake. The father of the blessed gave the nod, yes, and all the gods pronounced her frontier goddess and slayer of stags, and Eros never crosses her path. And then it cuts off with an ellipsis. It's it's the beginning of something. I would like to hear her version of the Artemis of Artemis's tales. Like Artemis is an interesting goddess, mm-hmm. but I don't know if anything it, 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 I chose this one cause it teases much more, but perhaps that's just the infuriating nature of reading something that, you know, 99% of the work has been lost or, right. or whatever percentage it is because I, there's enough there for me to think, okay, like there's, references to the Blessed Father and there's some potential with some imagery there and so there's a lot lingering but I I didn't feel a payoff to that and just the way that it ends so limp and flat and it just basically it says that's her name like okay and her domain you know Mm -hmm. nothing inherently interesting about that and I don't think there was much to elevate it either I felt that way about a good number of these poems which it's almost a weird critique because most of it is lost so I don't really know what where the, my critique is kind of a dead end. Like, I don't really know what to say. I'm not really critiquing something complete. It could also be an absurd criticism, given that she would have been singing this with an instrument. Right. <laughs> so I know, like, it's, you know, it's the classic... Uh, I, I won't name names, because we, we try to avoid really direct current event type stuff, but there is, let's just say, a conservative political commentator <laughs> that is popular online with, you know, certain people... And the did you see that new song by Megan the Stallion and Cardi B that they made? No. They made a rather provocative song called Wet-Ass Pussy. You didn't see this? (laughs) (laughs) No, I did not. Yeah, well, I'm going to have to mark the explicit tag for this (laughs) episode now, but it's okay. I like to know whether... Because I do try and mark that with sincerity. Some episodes we don't do any explicit. Some we just do. So here, this one's off now. Whatever. I'm going to have to mark it now. But uh, So they made a song called W.A.P. Wet-Ass Pussy. They made a music video. It includes uh, many sexual references and sexual dancing, whatever. And so, but there was a person who, in order to criticize the song, took the lyrics cold and read them with no intonation. And that was his whole thing, was like, listen to me in the most neutral voice, like a robotic sound, read these lyrics to you rapid fire and listen, don't you hear how dumb this sounds? And it's like, man, that is... That they didn't make a slam poem. They made a song right. <laughs> that, has, that is meant to be sung, <laughs> right. and like they, that, their the sound of their voices matters. the The music backing it, the the sampling they did matters. Like it doesn't. It also doesn't mean you have to think it's good or high art. Like it. It's just it's such an absurd criticism because you removed it from the medium it was made in. Like if you want to critique the song, play the song and then critique it when the song is done. Like I don't, it just, and so anyway, I, th- I felt coming out of this, a weird connection to that whole recent hubbub, just because my critiques of these feel so limp just cause I, I can only shrug and be like, yeah, but if she was playing some liar and like we were hanging out and drinking wine, I bet it was cool. I don't know. This seems, she seems like she's, has some interesting ideas and like you said the imagery can be provocative but there's just so much of it gone and it's so contextless that i i can only shrug at it and think i had no reaction to quotes like that Mm -hmm. i don't it just didn't follow through with anything so yeah a strange connection you thanks for letting me go on that little odyssey feel free to go look (laughs) at that music video after the episode is done.
1: I might have to now.
0: <laughs> I shudder to think my mom is the only assured listener I know of the pod, and so I shudder to think that she's going to have to go Google that music video and watch it now, Mom, but, you know, you you can handle it. It's it's what these women made as a statement of pro, uh, kind of like provocation in 2020. I, I don't know. I It's... There have been music videos in that vein in recent years. I feel, I don't know, quite neutrally about them now. I'm not really sure what my reaction to be. I think Megan Thee Stallion's voice is kind of cool. That's my main takeaway. Mm -hmm. She has this kind of baritone voice to her that... I don't know it, I it's kind of like a provocative sound I'm not really sure what else to take away from that video feel free to go read the lyric sheets but at <laughs> any rate I think that's the most relevant form of analysis it just reminded me of that clip I saw of the man reading the reading the lyrics it, I felt like that guy here but at least I'm not doing it in bad faith I'm not trying to make something seem absurd right it's just we, we cannot have a version of her singing this with the, her playing her lyre like it it can't exist. So I, I don't know. I'm not really sure how to critique it on its own terms. What, what are your thoughts?
1: I think that you should sing it.
0: But I don't have a wire. <laughs> but even then, I I would refuse. I don't even have an instrument to play. I haven't played. The only instrument I've ever tr- attempted was the bass guitar, and I don't have one. And I'm not even sure how I laid that down a track for that. <laughs> I'm well. I'm well inequipped, you know, or unequipped for that. And so, you know, I think we can critique this on a piece of reading merit. It was included in a reading collection. You know, this wasn't, I didn't order the Penguin Little Black CDs compilation. You know, Mm -hmm. this is not like, now that's what I call music. Uh, So I don't, it was included to to be read as a piece of literature. So I can only approach it on those grounds, I guess. That's how it was presented to me. But I did feel there was a huge gap there. It made me feel like that. But at least I was trying to do it with sincerity. Yeah, I'm not sure. Did you feel like any of these? I, you know, this is the classic thing with with song lyrics. I think of bands I love that have music. The lyrics, I they're just corny usually. I don't know. I don't. I'm not really sure what makes a good rock and roll lyric other than like a bunch of people can scream in an auditorium. Like I don't. Do you find yourself provoked by song lyrics often?
1: um i can be yeah i think for it it depends i guess on the artist i find that i like i'm attracted to the music itself first and then i actually i like to look up the lyrics to the songs as well and then yeah. based on like the combination of the two that becomes like you know something that i'll play over and over again but if it's just mm-hmm. the the sound of it that i like i mean I might play it sometimes, and if it's just the lyrics that I like, yeah, I might play it sometimes, but if it's a combination Mm. of the two, it'll become one of my favorites.
0: I think this is telling, for my own musical preferences, that I I know I respond to the instruments way more than the lyrics, Mm. though sometimes to the sound of the voice, but even then, not really so much the words on the page. I, for example, would quite literally never, ever look up an a cappella version of anything I like literally have never done that but i have on many occasions looked up instrumental versions of rock songs i like or like Mm -hmm. metal songs i like so i think that just says it all for me i don't i just when music is being played i I like i am drawn to the instruments not toward the voice which i also do i would accept as an instrument itself but i'm just not as drawn to that into the lyrics but what other quotes do you want to get into i didn't mean to set us off on such a tangent but uh, you know the wet ass pussy reaction was strong i i don't know what to tell you it was a cultural phenomenon man you raising a child you're just missing out on cultural events of 2020 i'll try and i'll try and fill you and the listeners in as best i can on the happenings of the internet
1: thank you please do because i have no idea what's going on out there uh, <laughs> please I can't
0: wait you need to watch it with your husband after the episode concludes because I'd like to hear his thoughts on it too I have man I can picture the look on his face <laughs> One of let you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: I'll let you know how that turns out um, <laughs> sure uh, yeah sure so um, another uh, poem that I pulled was one of her complete ones um, obviously and even in the poem that you just pulled um, which had references to Artemis and about like a particular moment in Artemis's life. Um, I chose this particular poem because of references to um, the gods and the goddesses as well. And, and we see those references um, in several of her poems. But unlike um, some of the other writers of that time period that we've encountered, it's not the obscure stories that she references is it's not the obscure characters of history that she references it's um it's the the people and events that most of us are already familiar with so i appreciated that yeah um, i didn't yeah. have to be someone who has been like steeped in um ancient greek culture in order to understand um those illusions so okay yeah yeah uh that's something that I, I enjoyed. So this is the poem. I'll just read part of it. Cause this is actually her other long poem that I pulled from the violet lapped muses, lovely gifts belong to you now children and the piercing liar, the friend of song, my body that before was supple age already has taken by surprise. My raven tresses are turned white and she goes on anyway. So it's the, um, a reference to the muses and it's not something that she, um, Uses to specifically talk about the muses but she's using it as a a metaphor for the i guess she was like always surrounded by students um so
0: so yeah i think yeah from the little we had learned in the research about her sure i could yeah that seems like her role right in society like teach people how to construct the music write lyrical poems and stuff right yeah i think it's I don't know if I had that quote. The other quote you pulled, I definitely had. I remembered reading it, actually. Oh, yeah. Just because some imagery like that was not, in mind, not that common. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah. D- so I would say I found it mostly accessible, though my knowledge of Greek names is kind of up right now because of when I taught sixth grade, it was something we did a unit on. Mm-hmm. So I think it's mostly accessible. But yeah. there might be some thi- there might be some googlable moments in there for a, a, co- a reader coming in cold.
1: Yeah, I... I don't know where I forgot where I got my collection from, but like the other references that I found were references to obviously Aphrodite. There's a lot of Aphrodite. Yeah. There's yeah, love. Zeus, and then there's also um, uh, Aries.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, so, I remember that one.
1: So that's, yeah, those were really the only, and in, in a lot of references to the Muses. And so that was. That was really the, the only ones that I really noticed, and those are very common ones, so I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, like, overly surprised,
0: but I've yeah. got one here I found that references Crete, Cyprus, and some hero, perc- it might even Percatiles, Percov, maybe, well, maybe they're just saying Percolates. I thought that it was capitalized at the beginning of a line, so I was like, <laughs> is that a person's name? could just be the the word Percolates, but Yeah okay well we gave a good sense of the style and yeah. allowed a digression about a current musical trend, so we've nailed the quote section <laughs> <laughs> let's jump now to the literary corner i think we'll be brief this week but amanda has set us up with a good one amanda do you want to talk about what a sophic stanza is this is the educational part of the pod
1: yeah sure it is um so a stanza, th- to begin with, is just the a collection of the lines. It's like the paragraph for yep. the poem itself. So there's lines, which is the individual sentences, and then you have the stanza, which would be the paragraph form, a break between the paragraphs. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. so it is um, kind of like with iambic pentameter where you're counting the syllables <laughs> inside the yep. lines. Yep. So a sapphic stanza, there are uh, four lines. And the first three lines each have 11 syllables, and then the last line has five syllables. Um, right. Yeah. So that's that's what a sapphic stanza is. I and only apparently have... Catalyst also used that in his writing. He was inspired by Sappho.
0: Yeah. To use yeah, and, we've, and we covered Catalyst before. Yeah. Two questions. Well, let me add on this quick. From the Penguin Literary Dictionary, they add, yeah, it's an ode written in regular stanza form. Sapphics is there, called they're written in quatrain stanza with a particular um, metrical scheme, which you just explained well. And then they, they have this little zinger in there. Despite or perhaps because of the difficulties of this form, a large number of European poets have used it, and then they gone to list a bunch of them. Yeah. Two Two questions. First is, did you notice this when you were reading? Would you have been able to define this before looking it up?
1: Definitely not, and I think it's because of the translation.
0: Yeah, that. and then my follow-up was going to be, then retroactively, does this change your view of anything you read?
1: No, because I think that my, the, yeah. my translation did not even attempt really to do the syllabic counting or anything like that.
0: Yeah, and if my my answer to the, both the questions I asked you would be no. I did not notice anything like this, and I would also not be the brain to do so. I, I, It needs to be pounded into me before I start to notice, like, Shakespeare-style, here's a 50-page play where I'm trying to be consistent with certain things. Then I might pick up on it. Right. But I'm not reading this out loud. It, as we, we covered this on earlier episodes, these plays with with meter. Don't do anything for me because I'm not reading it out loud. So right. I, that's just it's such a for to me it's such a bygone rhetorical tool that I get why we still teach it if we're I don't know analyzing certain older, you know, forms and trends but yeah I don't it means nothing to me I would no, I would have no clue the fact that it was so meaningful and influential really blew my mind because I finished this I would have had zero uh, reference for that or I would have zero prediction about that
1: yeah I think that if, if we had experienced it like as, as the actual lyrical poetry that it's meant to be right in its original tongue perhaps then we would be able to catch on because it's meant to be rhythmic right so it's meant to have a particular beat to it but with a translation and without the musical yeah. accompaniment, there's no way for us to actually catch up on you know, to catch on to the Sapphic nature of it. I suppose.
0: Yeah, lyrics with no music—it's—it right. can be challenging. <laughs> I'll happily take. Then we're, we're going to move into the final part of the review here, the official part. I'll take the first part of the Russell French in memoriam. So, what's good about it? Segment. This is when we genuinely praise the work we read. Since I've been a little more critical, I'll go first. Some of the way that these fragments cut off are kind of weirdly bleak, and the abruptness adds to that. And so, some of them have a bit of a punch to them. I think the one I read, the first quote I gave about the "I'm too old for this bed," like just mm-hmm. go, move on from me, like you know, your your youth is off-putting. I'm old. That like that one kind of has a little bit of a succinct punch at the end, and a couple of these had that style. It could just be because they're fragments, and that's just what you get. But I think it sort of worked thematically with a couple of them. I'm not going to say it was, you know, dominant in the work, but, yeah, I did enjoy that. How about for you?
1: Um, I enjoyed the imagery. That's the short and simple one for me. I enjoyed her mm-hmm. imagery.
0: Yeah, yeah, some of it was simple, but some of it was effective, too. Yeah. Let's conclude with our final recommendations, then we give it a simple kind of three option, we have a simple three option system, read this, don't read this, or perhaps or maybe read this, which is a qualified recommendation. Again, I'll happily jump in first, I think mine's the most obvious. Do not read this. (laughs) I would say this one I'm going to safely categorize into the, for academic academics only, or for people whose love of Greek history goes quite deep, and so you feel like you must really get into the weeds of ancient Greece for whatever reason interest or passion or your academic job I don't think th- there would be much to come in cold with here and react to. I just don't think it would evoke much in many people without a lot of context. Mm-hmm. So I would say this one is an easy don't read for me. And it reminded me in the comparative of things we'd already read, like the haiku by Bash- Bashuo. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of another a Persian poet named Hafez that we'd read much earlier. Both of those were similar in their brevity and sort of kind of they had these really intense flashes but they're so much more coherent infinitely more so and you know that could just be a factor of history so that's my recommendation amanda how about for you
1: uh i was a little bit kinder just because i i read the Mm -hmm. full poems um and i full on just skipped the fragments because I couldn't, I tried reading a couple and I was like, I can't, I can't do this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So as far as like her full poetry, I would say it's a, it's a maybe because I think that stylistically it's really nice. It's, it's simple. It's not overwhelming. um, But the fact that there are so many fragments, it's disconcerting. It's not very enjoyable to read just because I don't know what, she really wanted to say and the point of poetry is to analyze the language to, to enjoy the language and the style that's why you write in poetry and why you read poetry so having yeah. a fragment defeats the purpose of reading that poem uh, so, I just, unless you're an academic who is trying to bring it back, right? To revive it in some way. And so, that's not the purpose. It, I mean, if that's your purpose, then hey, go for it. Um, if you really want to, you know, right. ad lib some poetry, this is a great choice for you. <laughs> it would make for
0: quite a life's work if <laughs> yeah. you were somehow, if you were going to be, this is like the Dead Sea Scrolls, like fragments, and you're just kind of, you know, working your hardest to pair some coherence together or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But if if you want poetry for the sake of poetry, for the sake of the language and, and that stuff, then I would say her full poems, there are only like, you know, a handful of them. I, w- I would recommend them. I think that they're easy poems to read and they're really nice. Um, but otherwise, I would say, meh, I mean, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I will say,
0: uh, my final word on this is I came out of this thinking... I had no clue that there were these 10 women muse poets in the in ancient Greece that were like almost canonized at the time as the 10 you know, provocative kind of like lyricists and, and musicians, mm-hmm. I would give me the academic, but readable history of those people. Like what makes them in common? How did they get deemed as such? What history do they have together or apart? Like what were, what differentiates them in style? What do we know about them? I, that's, I would read that book, happily it was something it felt like such an odd blind spot i mean i guess i got my my regular healthy dose in college of your aristotles and platos and so yeah i just thought that as a topic i thought that was fascinating i'd never heard of it once that i could remember but yeah actually reading these fragments it's yeah it's a pass for me
1: yeah the way that i read that um Let's see, it says her poetry, I'm reading from Wikipedia, her poetry is well known and greatly admired through much of antiquity. And she was among the canon of nine lyric poets, most highly esteemed by scholars of Hellenistic okay. Alexandria. Yeah, and then like later they call her the 10th Muse, right? So I, I was thinking, yeah, here it is. Sappho uh, was widely regarded as one of the greatest lyric poets and was given names such as the Tenth Muse and the Poetess so I'm wondering, so the way that I read that was not that there were nine other female poets that she was being lumped in with but that sh- they were comparing her to the actual, like the, the Greek Muses like the the demigods, the Muses right, right,
0: yeah. right, right, okay so there, there is a differentiation there yeah. but, but there were For actual me, I don't know, I could be wrong but I, yeah, but I know the Wikipedia did link me to like nine names, though. There were these nine people.
1: Yeah, the nine lyric who, who lived. poets. Yeah. She was yes. among the canon of nine lyric poets. Right.
0: That is the, yes, give me the 300 page, fun to read nonfiction thread of like. I'm going to link these and explain and explore what their lives were. <laughs> yeah. I would a hundred percent want that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe I'll Google it. Maybe I'll look it up. So, you know, perhaps in a future book club, I thought, yeah, that, fa- that whole concept fascinated me. The sort of like early folk group music, not, they weren't a group, but they would just travel and they were the most influential, you know, people playing the lyre.
1: Yeah. I think the, um, I'm looking at the list of the nine poets right now, the nine lyrical poets, and she's, I think the only female on the list.
0: Oh, okay. Another thing I completely overlooked. Then I assumed they were all women. I, I had know. zero clue. I did not know. I when I was looking at that earlier, I clicked on it to see if they were real and like what years they lived. Didn't even look at the names. Didn't give it one second of thought. Yeah. Okay. Even sure even more wild dudes. then. <laughs> Man. Okay. Well, hey, we've we've learned on the pod that doesn't happen often. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll cut this entire segment. Just no, wrap it up. I in... think it's great. <laughs> I'll cut this whole thing and say, I knew all of this before, and you didn't know who these men were, and Sappho was in there? Yeah, no, no, that's fascinating. Again, I would still read that book. Not, not as interested now that I know most of them are men, because I've read enough ancient Greek men just writing poetry and philosophy, but yeah, I'm still, I'm still intrigued. <laughs> Modestly, though, now. I'm not as hyper-intrigued you can see now I had such a strong reaction I had such a yeah the the men of ancient Greece I feel like I knew well so that whole if a whole enclave of these women would have existed I would have been like oh my god that's fascinating eh less so now but still kind of cool anyway <laughs> things, things to learn about next week for a book review we have coming up some russian stuff not even going to bother to look at the title because it's russian and that's been a tough that's been tough sliding for me on the pod but yeah. I'll read it with an open heart and an open mind and until next time when we review that russian literature we will see you between the classics